Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Present and Sober podcast. We're laughing because Ellie cannot help herself but constantly compare me to Alan Partridge, which, you know, I do. my parents do reside in Norfolk, so I suppose there is a connection. Anyway, sorry to the American people who probably wouldn't have a clue who Alan Partridge is. Oh no, some of them do know Alan. Do they? Our very own Scott Pinyard knows Alan. He's a big fan. He's a blooming comedy (laughs) genius, so, you know, he's hard to miss. Um, Right, Ellie, we've got a good one. The title of our podcast today is I am doing the best I can. And Mm. we we decided to sort of um, go for a flow around three stories here because you've got some really nice things that kind of give good examples of this. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I'm going to hand over to you for the beginning. And uh, yeah, let's riff on that. Go on. Get into it. Um, So I I had an experience the other day. And it got me thinking. And then the universe came and smacked me around the chops with another couple of experiences that uh, were of the same theme. So when the universe tells you and reminds you, then you need to pay attention, right? So I'll start off with story number one. So story number one was chaos in the kitchen with children. Uh, Parents will know this very, very well. So demanding children. And when... and, and even like on your own, it's it's tricky, right? Because you've only got one pair of hands and I've got three children. And so they're extremely, and they're all very young. They're very demanding. And my husband and I were doing some bits and pieces in the kitchen, trying to uh, deal with all of the demands and the things that everybody wanted as quickly as possibly could. And kids are impatient. I mean, I'm pretty impatient actually. So uh, they'll probably get it from me. And little Chester was getting more vocal with his demands and he was getting um, like his tone of voice with his father was not great. And I heard myself say, Chester, your daddy's doing the best that he can. And it was really interesting because it just diffused all of the angst that had been kind of building and, and soaring. And in the kitchen, we kind of had this like this settling, like the dust settled and there was this calm. And at the time, it what I was relating it to was uh, in particular, a, a lot of my clients that are uh, struggling in those early days of want, desperately wanting to be alcohol free, but being very much stuck in that cycle. And what I'll always talk to them about is you are doing the best that you can mm-hmm. um, with the tools that you've got. You've been given the wrong tools. And, and this is something that originally came from Annie Grace of This Naked Mind. And we, uh, her, her methodology is all about compassion first. And it's so needed and so true because if you are in a shame, blame, guilt cycle and you are beating yourself up, then you are going to find it very, very difficult to get out of that and take uh, any kind of action that's going to move you forward. Those those sorts of things, shame, blame, guilt, those are the things that keep people stuck. 
So that that little instance in the kitchen with uh, husband and children, just you know, in a in a very different circumstance, but it just amplified that like that that power of um, acceptance. I'm doing the best that I can. He's doing the best that he can, and and that and that's good enough. So that was the first little story, and uh, I just uh, you know I. I find that bit so in, in, in anybody's alcohol-free journey, it's so important because if I think about myself, I, I was very much like drinking to relax, um, drinking as, uh, to escape at the end of a busy day. But what I didn't realize was that alcohol was actually making the stress worse. It, it was not relaxing me. It was doing quite the opposite. So until I educated myself with the science of how it actually works, I, I had no idea that I had the wrong tools. I thought that I had the best tool and it was the thing that was holding everything together. And it was so, so far from the truth. Yeah, yeah it's funny because I think sometimes the logical thing, like it seems logical that, you know, you eat the cake. I get talk from my experience of somebody from, you know, a lot of people look at me and I'm, you know, I'm not the world's biggest person, but I've struggled with, you know, binge eating and stuff in the past. And um, I know that like, if, if the if the thought in my head is like, you know, the shameful thought of, oh, why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. You know, it, it can push me into kind of like a cycle of feeling guilty. And then in order to regulate my emotions, I do more of, of that thing. Um, and I think it's true of alcohol as well. And kind of the logical thing is kind of like, well, I'm just going to hop in my head and I'm just going to berate myself a bit and tell myself off. And obviously, because when we tell kids off at school, you know, that works as well, doesn't it? They stop doing the thing they're not, they're not supposed to do. Um, not my experience. But yeah, you know, we do this to ourselves and, you know, actually, you know, all the science shows and everything shows that actually, as you say, the compassion and the, if you say, look, I'm doing the best I can, there's not much of a retort to that. Like you said earlier, when we were chatting before the podcast, well, what do you actually say to that? It's like, we'll do better. <laughs> like you said, it's like, well, I am, I am doing the best I can. So mm. yeah, yeah, for mm. sure. It's mm. a big one. So I think it just, uh, it, it's it's not it's not typically how we are, is it? So, and, and until we bring conscious awareness to how we speak to ourselves, mm-hmm. we don't always realise just how badly we do talk to ourselves. Uh, we talk to we tend tend to talk to ourselves in a way that we wouldn't speak to anybody else, and mm-hmm. certainly not a loved one in our lives, or even a stranger, perhaps. And so, it can be really important to start to listen to the little voice inside your head that is talking to you in a way that is uh, keeping you stuck and in self-sabotage as opposed to moving you forward. Positive emotion is always going to be the thing that is going to move you forward as opposed to um, just as you've described in that example, keep it beating yourself up. It kind of feels productive because you, you, you're doing something, but it's just indulgent it doesn't it doesn't achieve anything and if I think about uh, anything that I've wanted to do if I've beaten myself up when I haven't got on with it or I haven't got far enough on with it then I don't feel the motivation to keep going I feel the motivation to keep going if I say to myself look you've had a stab at it today you've done the best that you could today you've made some progress hooray for you you can crack back on with it again tomorrow yeah I'm more likely to if I give grace to myself, I'm more likely to get on with it tomorrow. And and just as you said about kids, same thing's true of kids. You know, if you can recognize and accept 
that they're doing the best that they can with whatever the thing is. And you can um, talk to them in a very compassionate uh, and understanding way. You get so much more from them as opposed to um, being very directive with them, which. Yeah. Yeah. Einstein said, so I'm going to, but I'm going to get the quote completely cocked up, but basically the essence of what he said was, you know, you can't solve a problem on the level it was created. So if you've got this negative thought spinning in your head and then you sort of jump in and you try and add more, Mm. you know, you turn a storm into a tornado into it just, it sort of doesn't end. But if you hop in with like a different framing, something from a different level, something from a positive level, you know, you, you, you fix that thing Um, or you don't fix it, but you, you move forwards and you make progress and you, you know, you start to change it. Right. Mm. Um, there's a guy called Michael Neal. Uh, he told there's a few things that he'll pop up with today, I think, cause I, I love his work, but he, he talks about, um, you know, you said before about, you know, when you hear your voice, like sort of berating yourself or beating yourself up, you can kind of almost journal and write those things down almost for verbatim and just ask yourself, you know, would I actually talk to somebody else like that? Would I ever talk to my best friend like that? And a lot of the time, the answer is, well, no. And it's almost like a double standard. We hold ourselves to these wacky, crazy standards that we don't hold anyone else to. Mm. And we don't even notice that we're doing it. We do not mm. notice that we're doing that. And, you know, one way of, of getting out of those patterns is not to then tell yourself off for the fact that you've been telling yourself off. Yeah, sure. <laughs> this is what we do. It's like the dog chasing its tail, chasing its tail. Like it's like, no, what's the level above? Or like, what's something I can do? How can I scratch the record uh, and come out this from a different place? And and journaling again, like we said, I think a few times we've said, Ellie, like the 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 beauty of it is that however you do it, you get this instant objectivity that you didn't have before because it's Mm. on paper you can look at it and you can be like yeah okay those were the things that I was saying to myself and actually no I wouldn't say that to my best friend they would think I was crazy if I did Mm. Mm. and this is another reason why coaching can be so effective because when people are in their own story and going round and round and round in circles in their own story or they like I'll often have people that will come and talk to me about the early stages of going alcohol free and, and let's say they've gone a couple of days and then they've made the decision to drink and then they come to talk to me about it and they're kind of feeling uh, down on themselves about it and they, they they bring that into the call and they you know they, they they don't show up with any kind of filter it's just themselves but it's mm-hmm. so easy for me to sit as an observer and to reflect back what they're saying and to steer them towards a, a way of attending to themselves that is much more generous and compassionate and yeah. caring and to see the change in somebody in real time as you as you do that with them and then of course it's something they have to cultivate on their own but like all these things that we talk about practices you know it's it, it, it's it's something to be done as a continual practice but once you start to do it, you're more likely to have that heightened awareness and to be able to recognize when you are talking to yourself in a way that is uh, less than productive and you can interrupt that stop, yeah, yeah. journal, whatever it is that you need to do to, um, to diffuse it. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think it's one of the reasons why one of the greatest gifts we can give is holding space for someone. Because if you mm. do that, if you stay present with somebody who is, you know, sad or upset or, and don't kind of get, if you don't step into their story with them and kind of 
join in and you know we kind of get into these patterns can't we of you know gossiping and these things it's very easy to get caught up in the energy but if you just hold your own space sit in the present um you know that can have a real impact on people i've had a lot of people will say things like oh this really isn't that important is it and you didn't have to do anything Mm. you just sit and hold space for someone and they come to that realization they're like Mm. oh man this is just work like this really Mm. doesn't matter that much and i think it's um you know, a lot of our stuff that we talk about, you know, the power of the mind and the power of thought and then the power of somatics and body work. And one really, this is a super, super powerful thing is that if the storm is raging in your head, um, rather than add more thoughts, more clouds in there and just get the storm going, well, what do we often do if it's stormy? Well, we just wait a little bit. We just sit and we wait and we wake up the next morning and there's a blue sky. And I think very often getting out of let's fix it mode and just getting into mm. let's be in my body mode mm. let's just chill whatever it is go for a walk put the music on come at it you like einstein said come at it from a totally different place come at it from the body don't come at it from the mind mm. suddenly the the storm can pass and, and and it's all it's almost like we can be feel like we're living in a different reality 10 15 minutes after mm. um you know it's all yeah yeah that is that is so true and if if you haven't caught episode four of the podcast then go back and look that one up because we talked about a, a couple of different tactics oh, yeah, of we people did. we did um, um right anything awesome. else on that one no i think that's i think that's cool that's found its natural end come on then let's go story two so story number two so story number two was in a group coaching call so i coach groups of women at a time and we, we do talk about alcohol, but we typically end up talking about lots of other things. So usually these groups are, are women that have a period of time alcohol free under their belt and they are attempting to navigate their next few months alcohol free. And of course, doing that in a group environment with coaching, community, connection, accountability, it's a really powerful way to stride forward and through all of the firsts that you have alcohol free so as we know we talked about layers of belief in episode five and we we usually are drinking for a combo of substance societal beliefs and uh, beliefs about self Mm -hmm. and so these groups are really effective because in particularly dealing dealing with a lot of the societal stuff because everybody has to go through you know their first gig their first out into the restaurant their first family situation and so on anyhow we're so we're in group coaching and uh we uncover a lot of stuff so we talk about alcohol but we also talk about like people will tend to go into their self stuff. So we'll, we'll often pick up things, the underlying reasons that people are drinking. And we got into a conversation about childhood and the things that have happened to us individually in our, within our childhood experiences. And one of the group, they were talking about their parent and uh, it was, it was really very, very highly emotional and, despite my experience not being their experience like you it was palpable I could feel the emotion it was really quite intense and uh, the the thing that was really interesting was in in sort of sitting outside and kind of watching somebody's um, pain and allowing them to experience it and process it which is is an amazing thing for a very vulnerable thing to do but such a gift not only for that person but also for the group 
And this lady said at the end, but they were doing the best that they could. And it was such a powerful thing for her to say because it allowed for, despite the circumstances and how she felt about it, it allowed for so much of it to be let go and and for it to just be allowed. We're all human beings. And it had me reflect upon my own situation from my childhood and the things that happened to me and and I remember uh, th- there were some things that I was particularly upset about and for many many years struggled to let those things go and actually didn't even want to deal with them but the most powerful thing that I did with those specific circumstances was I, I looked at my parents and it, and of course it's easier. It's easier now as a 40 year old mum of three to be more sympathetic than I would have been in the past. Like as, you know, as a parent now, I can understand a lot more about their situation, but just seeing them as human beings, as opposed to my mum or my dad and not holding them to this standard this, you know, imaginary standard that we have, just allowing them to be human and to say, actually, that must have been really hard for them too. And they were doing the best that they could. And that led me into not just like through a path of acceptance, but that led me to forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's a huge piece of this. It is. And I, uh, I, I think on the surface, I would have always said, oh, yes, I forgive them. I forgive them because you love them, but that's very different from deep knowing, understanding forgiveness. And when, when I got to that, the, for me, because, you know, as my father, my father died 20 years ago. So he's unfortunately not around. Um, It'd be interesting how, how that would play out if he was around and how like that, you know, that forgiveness can be offered, but just for me personally, my own peace of mind, my own state, to be able to let those things go and to be able to bathe in that forgiveness, there's a real um, a, a real lovely uh, energy tone attached to that. Yeah. And I actually feel, I feel very, very close to my father, despite the fact that he's been gone for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to bring that story in because it's it, it, that same... Uh, recognition of human um, fallibility, fallibility, is that the right word? That is. Um, I've, I've come across it a few times now, but there was something really powerful in that, in that shared group moment. And it just, as I say, it had me reflect on my own experience. And that, and so I thought that that would be, uh, well, it was, that that was the second smack around the chops by the universe to talk about this subject. It's really powerful. It's, um, Reminded me of that, you know, I don't know where I saw it, but, you know, there's no such thing as adults. We're all grown up children. And we kind of yeah. have this idea of like, oh, you just cross this line and then you're an adult now. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's that's not really how it works. And it's definitely true that there are things in life that we, you know, there are messengers in life. Guilt, I think, is a messenger. And I think um, any kind of feeling in your body that just doesn't feel good is often a messenger. But when the message has been received, then it's time to let it go. So even if you're the one that's wronged someone, um, or if you feel that you've been wronged, you know, it's what is the learning, you know, what can, how can I 
move on from this what can I do to make it better and then once you've done that you you let it go because otherwise it it stays there and it becomes toxic and you know we carry it around with us we carry it around and there's many different names for this you know Eckhart Tolle calls it the pain body other people will talk it you know things that we tuck away in our shadow and you know there's lots of different Mm. things that we Mm. do and I think bringing some of these things to light is just it's so freeing isn't it when you feel those things to fall away um Mm. it's a really Mm. special a special moment and yeah forgiveness is huge it's a huge huge thing um and I think much bigger than a lot of people realize I think carrying around grudges um or carrying around anything for a long time gets pretty heavy after a while yeah it certainly does and you know if you if, if your motivation is nothing else but to make yourself feel better then being forgiving is the best way to get to that end it really is you know you, like you say holding a grudge the only person that's going to be hurting there is you mm-hmm. is it the buddha that says anger is kind of like um feeding yourself poison and then expecting the Ooh, other yeah. person to be sick yes to get yeah. sick yeah. And, you know, we carry these things. There's another amazing story about two Buddhist monks that are walking through the countryside and they see a lady who's struggling to cross a river. And one of the monks, um, the elder monk, actually, um, picks up this lady, puts her on his shoulders and they and they go through the river. And, and the young monk is thinking to himself, this is this isn't right. You know, we're not, we're not supposed to do this. You know, we're not supposed to touch women. And there's all these things at play in his mind and they get out the other side and, and the, the older monk puts down the the lady and they carry on walking for another two days and the, the young monk it's it's on his mind and he's just thinking about it constantly and it's getting to him and it's digging at him and he just can't get over it and he just bursts in this outrage and he just says to the monk why did you carry that woman across the river and the older monk says my boy are you still carrying her i let her go two days ago so you know we we carry these things with us we carry these things for us and you know it's we we have stories attached to them. We decide what they mean. Yeah. And this yeah. idea that I think it comes back to this idea of the double standards thing again, and, and double standards, I'm not sure if that's the right way to put it, but I think it's really easy to forget that everybody is doing the best they can with what they have right now, mm-hmm. because a mm-hmm. lot of people do some things that are really, really hard to deal with and they're or they're very painful for us to deal with or they hurt or they seem evil um you know but i think in giving compassion and to people that we feel have wronged us um we can learn i like oh wow they were doing the best they had with the tools that they had and mm-hmm. we were talking earlier weren't we this um this uh practice that is the is meta basically um which is a huge yeah hugely important practice for this it was, it was very very helpful practice at just getting right to the heart haha, of this mm-hmm. um instantly mm-hmm. but so what's your experience with with meta because i think it's a really powerful one to to share i think it's meta you're supposed to say i've probably meta. said it completely wrong so how would you my, what's your experience? my northern accent um so, so meta meditation for people that aren't familiar with it is loving kindness meditation mm-hmm. and typically it will be a uh a guided practice and uh, I think what, what we'll do is we'll drop some links to our favorite meta yeah. meditations in the show notes so that you can if you haven't already you can try it out uh, the, there are usually two different types of meta meditation so there is loving kindness to self and then there is loving kindness to other people mm-hmm. and I use both in my coaching practice and it's usually 
It's usually something that I offer uh, within um, a group setting. And I, I don't think I've ever actually come across anybody that's done it before, but it's, um, it's essentially a, a meditation practice, a guided meditation practice where you are offering loving kindness either to yourself or to other people. And my own experience of, and this is way before, I was just explaining this to you earlier, Sam, way before my alcohol-free uh, journey, I was having I was having some difficulties, shall we say, some challenges with some people in my life. Mm-hmm. And I can't even remember where I came across method meditation. Anyhow, I tried it out and uh, was uh, I went through this same meditation over um, a, a series of a week or something. So I I went through the guided meditation and then I would just pr- do the practice on my own every night um, and then every morning when I woke up. And uh, this is sending loving kindness to individual people. And as you are sending this loving kindness to them, and it can be, it's, it's usually a mantra of some, something like um, love and blessings too. Mm-hmm. And then you say the name of the individual and in your mind's eye, you conjure up the picture of that person's face. And if you think about the person right now that you are most cross with in your life, and then you are doing this practice with them in mind, it can feel like, why the fuck would I want to be doing this? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the honest thing, isn't it? But, you know, go on, what happens? But it it works. It It works. And there were two things that happened for me. One, quite quickly, I released that story and that tension that I built up inside myself. There was nobody else's story. It was purely my own, based on circumstances. So this is where uh, we all, uh, we're all, impacted by circumstances around us, but we create our own, you know, thoughts are created in our mind and they determine how we feel about things and how we feel determines how we behave. And then how we behave determines the actions that we get in uh, the, the results we get in life. So all the way down that chain, the results that I was getting within this work situation were not the results that I wanted, but by backing up to the thoughts that I was having. So changing those thoughts, change the way that I felt, change the way that I behaved and ultimately change the reaction, um, the, the results that I got, excuse me. So two lovely things happened. One, I felt a lot better and I'd released all of this unnecessary shit that I'd created in my own little world inside my head. And then secondly, because I was showing up in a better way, the results were better and the relationship improved very, very, very quickly. So the person that I started off thinking, why the fuck do I want to be doing this? And then, you know, very quickly, good on very good terms with, and the relationships have, have actually since got even better and better and gone from strength to strength. So it really is worth, number one, trying it out to see what you think of it. And number two, invest in some time in it as a regular practice. Mm-hmm. So how, how about you, Sam? What's your experience of it? Yeah. It's, it's even with people whom, for whom I'm never going to talk to again, or, you know, I think Mm. going through the process of, of this is really interesting because it it can show you how we said earlier about, you know, when we get angry at people, it's kind of like, you know, us drinking the poison, expecting somebody else to get sick. It's sort of like, we sometimes don't realize these things we're holding on to and, and meta kind of reverse engineers the process so that you start 
at the end, like you're sending love and you don't really believe it at first, but then the more you do it, you know, things come into play. There's lots of science and lots of wacky stuff that I probably, I don't know enough about right now. I'm sure, you know, the Buddhists have their reason for why this would happen, you know, and I'm sure there's a neuroscience version of why this works as well. Cause there's a lot of good science behind meta. It really does genuinely help people. Mm. Um, you know, you kind of get to a point where you start to believe it, then you start to embody it, then you start to sink into it, then you start to really embody it. And then you, you're kind of there in the moment and you're kind of released from those, from those emotions and those feelings. Um, you know, it's really powerful. A good friend of mine, a very good friend of mine came to visit me the other day, actually, but he, we were talking about this. Um, and I use Sam Harris, uh, Sam Harris's waking up app. Um, I find it really powerful. I think it's great. Uh, really fits um, my day-to-day and what I like to do. So I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well for anyone who's interested. Um, but he uses that app as well. And he was saying that he had done one of these meditations. And in this particular meditation, the mantra is something along the lines of I'm happy, I'm well, um, mm. or may I be happy, may I be well, may, but may I be loved, I'm loved or I'm at peace. Um, something along those lines. And he realized, he said, you know, it got to the end of the meditation where you and you turn this this love on yourself. And he had a real emotional response to it. And it really made him well up because he realized, well, I've never done this before. And we kind of have this idea that if you're the idea of saying, oh, well, I love myself, we have this connection with vanity and this 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 idea. But there's a deeper meaning to that of I love myself. It's kind of like if you love yourself, then the universe kind of loves you back. And mm. there's an amazing book on this by a guy called, I think, Camille Ravikant is his name. And it's called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. Um, and you do a lot of mirror work where you look into the mirror and you repeat these loving kindness mantras to yourself while staring into your eyes. Um, Ooh, I don't know how I feel about that. Sounds shit crazy. Ah, but look, you didn't know how you feel about meta meditation either. This stuff is crazy, is- but it works. You know, it's wild. It really is. You feel like that. You feel like, mm. but then the feeling that you get from it. And what I found was a lot of these mantras, if you use them, when, if you're feeling angry, at the Mm. world or at somebody if you send yourself love suddenly Mm. you start feeling less angry at the other as well it's almost like in the act of loving yourself allows you to love others others too and i mean ultimately i guess if we don't if we can't love ourselves or if we find that really difficult to to bring this into our lives that will impact our our relationships with other people so it's a great Mm. practice to try and see how you feel don't just take our word for it at the end of the day Mm. like go and go and give it a go um go read about it it's really interesting and we'll drop some links in the notes um Mm. for for a few different options right Mm, mm. You, you made me think there about the whole fake it till you make it yeah, situation it. because actually the, I, I remember this years and years ago this is in my 20s uh, I was living in a a place that that it, it made me highly anxious mm. and this is all to do with spiders but anyway um talk about my spider phobia and how I got over it in another episode because oh, yeah, actually yeah. no that would that be really cool because cool. it's to do with cognitive behavioral therapy but this place because I was in this heightened state of anxiety and I was in, uh, I didn't feel in a great place. And one of the things, and I don't even know, this was, this, this didn't come from anywhere other than uh, in a knowing. I decided that I would just like force, when, even if I didn't feel like smiling, I would force myself to smile. And it's interesting because if you do that, you actually feel better. And, 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 and I was smiling in circumstances where I did not feel like smiling, but it does, there is something about, must be something to do with the muscles in your face yeah there is 
yeah i mean because it's in a lot of um in, in lots of type of meditation as well like you put a small yeah. smile in there and it and it does mm-hmm. have an impact on you we are who we practice to be at the mm. end of the day mm. and uh yeah cool nice what was your so there we go. that's your story number two story number three so story number three is a bit a bit different but in the same in similarish theme so i was listening to the lovely laura mccowan has her new podcast out tell Very me something too. true yeah so if you if you don't know laura mccowan she's behind uh, we are the luckiest the book the um the sobriety club the lot she's a lovely lady that you might want to look up and she's done a number of podcasts and this is her newest one that's just been released so again i, I, I would highly recommend checking it out and she was interviewing a lady called cheryl Strayed, who's an author and it's a great podcast episode but there was this bit that really struck a chord with me where Cheryl was talking about surrendering to our own mediocrity. And she, <laughs> and the reason it resonated with me was I, if, if anybody's into the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram three, which is the achiever. So the, the Enneagram, again, we can put, this, the show notes are going to be massive, Sam, sorry, but the, we put, we'll put a link to the Enneagram in case anybody wants to check out what their personality type is. Um, so I'm, I'm the achiever and and essentially my childhood wound that comes from that is that I, I believe that my, my self-worth comes from the things that I achieve. And as such throughout my life, I've been a very driven, ambitious individual. And Cheryl Strode is talking about having this high ambition to write the best book that's ever been written. And how that high ambition and the big dreams, yes, it's great to have big dreams. And yes, it is good to have ambition, but that's not the thing that was driving her. Actually, the thing that's driving her is this little, this little engine that's running inside. You know, if you, if you read Glenn and Doyle, it would be you, your inner knowing. Um, and she was talking about how that engine can't run efficiently if you have this high ambition that's, you know, ramped up at a very high level consistently. And I haven't heard anybody talk about it like that, but my own experience certainly in this last year has been very much, I mean, I'm kind of caught in this battle of, I need to temper my ambitions because if I, if I don't, then uh, I'm going to end up uh, extremely stressed out and, uh, just not at my best. I'm not going to achieve. I'm not going to be the person that I need to be to achieve the things that I want. And so I really like this reframe of instead of being driven by the high ambition to be driven by the inner knowing, because that, that feels right. And so she was talking about this reframe specifically for her was instead of like, I'm going to write the best book ever. It's I'm going to write the best book that I can write now. And I just really, really like that because it's it's such a um, it's such a, such a gentler way to talk to yourself. And it doesn't mean that you don't have ambition or big dreams. Uh, and it, it, but it, it it just it it takes the it takes the heat out of it, the unnecessary heat that is then impacting upon the engine running. Yeah, it's really really interesting. Again, my my mate Michael Neal. Um, he's not actually a friend of mine. I wish he was a friend of mine. <laughs> Get him on the podcast, we'd have, we'd have lots. We'd have lots of coffee dates, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but, you know, he talks about this. He talks about how 
you know, if you had a year of average days, my goodness me, how much progress would you make? And I think it's in one of his books, he says, you know, he wishes his, his partner like an, have an average day instead of have a great day. Because when we put that pressure on ourselves, mm. um, it can cripple us. And, you know, it's possible at times perfection can be the enemy of progress. You know, it, it free, we freeze in, in the face of it. We're so frightened. We've got so much of our sense of self on the line that we're like, it has to be perfect because it represents me. That puts us in fight or flight and we're just not in flow. We're just not being creative. Um, one of the most powerful things I ever did over the past few years, and this isn't for everyone, but it blew my mind and, and I have found it powerful, was I went forward in time, sort of 25 years, and I, and I wrote down on a piece of paper the things that I would love to have kind of manifested and have in my life then. And I think the interesting thing about going that far in the future, and I've worked with a lot of people who struggle so we can bring the time back if, if you feel like I can't go that far ahead, is that you're thinking less in terms of specifics and you're thinking more in terms of emotions and feelings. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of like, I would. so one of my things was, I would just love to be in a position where I don't have to say yes to things that I don't feel yeah. truly committed to because not because I don't want life to be easy because I'm going to say yes to some stuff that's going to be fucking hard because I do that all the time um but because I want to feel congruent and in line and, and that mm -hmm. I'm doing things in the right way and the interesting thing is you go that far ahead and then if you rewind to 10 years you write these things down rewind to five years so you're like right I want my camper van I want to be a digital nomad I want to be doing this I want to be doing all this stuff you start to become more specific mm -hmm. and once you get to the five years it's really interesting then if you literally rewind to three years one year 12 months six months three months weeks and then you end up with well what would I need to do you know, week by week in order to achieve this thing 25 years from now that is literally my dream. Like we didn't hold back here. We killed the ifs. You know, if is a thing, but but is the great eraser, isn't it? It's like, oh well, that would be good, but it's like, mm -hmm. no, 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 none of that. No ifs, no buts. This is your dare to dream the best thing you could ever do. And you rewind it back, you realize that if you just push yourself to do the best you can with what you have today and keep producing some average days and some crap days and some outstanding days, you will get there. The mm. intention will carry you to that place. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, you're right. I agree with you, Eddie. I think we, we really do do ourselves, do a number on ourselves sometimes by like saying, I'm going to make this the best thing that ever existed. Um, you do. And, and, and just as you say, it can, it can paralyze people to the point that you get not like you literally get nothing done. Um, people don't want to get started on things because of the, the fear of failure. Uh, we were talking earlier about like in this vein of being kind to yourself. One of the things that I've done it quite regularly now, um, but I've just reminded myself, I haven't done it very recently. So I am going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it again. But I, I've done this a lot with um, my coach colleagues, and that is to stop and take a breath and celebrate all of the stuff. So looking back over a period of time and celebrating all of the things that you've done. So I remember like we certified with this Naked Mind around August, September of last year. And then everybody's wanting to get going with their own coaching businesses and getting out there in the world with their own voice and their, their own branding and so on. And there was quite a lot of uh, tension at time, like not tension between us, but I remember talking to 
some of my colleagues and we would feel we'd almost be like beating ourselves up for not having done more because we were effectively like comparing ourselves to people that were further ahead uh, of us in um and, and so it's like unfair comparison and it was almost like oh we haven't done enough we haven't achieved enough yet we haven't laid enough things down and then when we actually stopped and looked at the specifics like what looks right so everything right every single thing down that you've done and it was quite incredible and it took away this this just general feeling of having not done enough not being good enough to wow that's actually quite something and I don't think we tend to stop and celebrate ourselves uh, I think we, it's sort of easy to celebrate it in other people but for, for specifically ourselves I don't think we tend to stop and take time to pause and reflect and cheer ourselves on for the things that we have done because all of the little things are really really important they're huge they're huge yeah i couldn't agree with you more i mean i, I said to you the other day i had that really wacky experience where uh, i think in january um so i was doing a, a qualification coaching qualification mm-hmm. with, with the coaching academy and and i'd started this well you know i started it two years ago two years previous to that and um so i got the certificate came through and, and all these things. And, and I was on the phone to my mom and I was like, mom, I've done it. Like, I've, I've done this thing. And you know, I'm so it was like, because I basically I've been coaching at sc- in, in my school as well and building that up as well. And, you know, been really busy, um, mm. you know, and setting up my sober rebellion business and, and all sorts of things happening at the same time. And it's one of those things, again, where you kind of feel like, Oh, I haven't done enough. I haven't done enough. And all the, all the time, you know, you actually, Oh, I happen to be doing two jobs or whatever. And you just sort of forget, but, and I, and I said to her, you know, it's taken me two years to get this really chuffed. It was a really good experience. Uh, and then the next day afterwards, after getting off the phone to her, I looked at the date that it had finished and the date that it had started. And really creepily, they were the same day, which is next level weird. Um, and it was one year, not two. It, and I was utterly, utterly convinced without a shadow of a doubt, it was two years. Now, a lot of weird stuff has happened with time and COVID, hasn't it? It has there's just been an utter time warp because of lockdowns and all this kind of stuff. And, and I'd started doing this kind of like just before all of that. And I think that I'd messed my head a bit as well, but um, yeah, I was just like, well, you know, it's always taken me two years to get all of that done. And I kind of sort of out and had a quick think about it, but, but it's amazing what we can get done if we just keep um, turning up and being kind to ourselves and being compassionate and look after ourselves. You know, I, I have a real pattern of just um, getting caught in this mode where it's like I'm not living at the speed of life (laughs) Mm. it's like I want to live quicker than my life and then every now and again you come back and you start living at the speed of life again and you're like oh actually this is wonderful here Mm. um I I really do do that and uh yeah I'm always it's always more 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 um but it's just so lovely to actually stop go through that list like you said maybe that's something some of some of you lovely um, listeners can do this week is just actually sit and take stock of what you've done over the last year or two and actually write it down and, and think yeah wow that's amazing that's a really cool thing um yeah i'd highly recommend that pick pick a, a, a time frame that's meaningful to you for whatever reason 
and write it all down. And you'll actually yeah. will be amazed at the things that you've done and what influence they have on other items on the list and where you're going. And the, the great thing about doing that exercise is that celebration is going to take you into positive emotion and then positive emotion is going to have you with the right energy to be motivated to get on and do the next thing so it's a it's a really really valuable exercise and I'd love to hear from anybody how you get on with it because it was uh, it, it was extremely helpful to me it was extremely helpful to my colleagues and it's just reminded me I need to do it again yeah I'm gonna have a go <laughs> as well I think all of these things that help us lean into the positive are hacks against our evolution um and often our biology because ultimately you know it's always been useful to us as, as human animals to look and scan everything for negativity and for danger because it keeps us mm. safe um and we've sort of crash banged into this environment where no longer are the tigers out there you know we've spoken about this before the real tigers aren't out there anymore and so it it really doesn't make sense for us to live in our kind of primal brain so much to live in the downstairs brain living in the upstairs brain where there's like, you know, more of the kind of like logic and, and rational, you know, rationalization and kind of like feeling compassion, et cetera. That's, that's where we're supposed to be. But actually we have to very often practice that we have to practice who we want to be through gratitude, through journaling, through these lists, through these practices. Mm. Um, and then, and then I think it's one of those things where once you've done that a bit, once you've practiced it, and you start to believe it, you start to become that person. It's then easier yes. to maintain it. It's like, it, it's oh, much yeah. easier to stay fit than get fit. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, and I think it's easier to maintain this kind of like positive mindset. If, if we put the, put the effort in and put the work in, um, it's not always easy, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I um, wholeheartedly agree with that. And it, in terms of like making, making your world, your life, bigger better this is fundamental practice for it and not just your own world but everybody's world like if, if everybody was kinder to themselves if everybody practiced some meta meditation i think we'd be living in a very different world so yeah. I think, so um, keep keep sharing keep sharing the podcast get the yeah um, please do please put it out, out there please let people know and um, I don't think I've ever said before, but you know, if anyone's got any ideas, things that they'd like us to cover, then send us a message. Let us know. We would uh, we'd love to see what you guys would like to hear us talk about. Um, yeah, I think we come to a natural a natural end to this podcast, Ellie. I think we might have done. I think we have. I don't think you can cope with any more show notes, Sam. So <laughs> best no, you're right. <laughs> you know, I haven't stopped teaching yet. Soon, soon, show notes can be as long as you like. Um, <laughs> I'm just in my brain trying to do the maths of what the what the episode prior to this will have been. Um, I I think I'm too far gone to try and do that. Um, six, six. Will we have had our guest on by now? Yes, we will have. So I'm talking as if from the future. If you see what I mean. No, no, you've confused me. <laughs> Having an Alan Partridge moment again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to. Uh, we always like love to hear from you. Please leave us a review as ever and. Um, yeah, we haven't planned the next one yet. Have we, have we, have we planned what's coming up next? It's a secret. Is it? <laughs> Am I allowed to know behind the scenes? Nope. You're just going to surprise me. 
You're just going to yep. dump it on me. Today, we're talking about how to make biscuits. It's not going to be a very good one if we talk about that. But, you know, I'm waffling now. Should we, uh, should we leave it there? Yes, let's leave it there. Have a wonderful week, folks. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. That's it. Be kind to yourself, guys. Hey team, we loved that one. That was awesome. Some hopefully some really important things in there that can help you just find a bit of self-compassion and some positivity in a world where, you know, we've evolved to see the negative, to keep us safe. And sometimes counteracting that and balancing the books with these positive practices to help us see that actually we are doing the best that we can can really help us make a huge shift in our life. A lot of people have reached out to us about the Layers of Belief episode and me and Ellie have decided that we really want to kind of run a mini-series within the podcast where we tackle some of the huge beliefs that might be big sticking points from holding people back from feeling truly free. Next week, we're going to tackle a huge one that was a huge part of mine and Ellie's story. That is, but alcohol relaxes me. I, I use alcohol to relax and de-stress. In the modern world, the way that we are wired um, out in the working world and, you know, bringing up kids and all of these, you know, huge challenges that we have, this is something that is a really, really massive sticking point for a lot of people. So that's the first one we're going to tackle and we're really excited to drop that next Tuesday. So look, as ever, please go leave us a review, go like us or follow us and subscribe and share on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you are listening from. Have an awesome week. Enjoy the sun. It is incredible in the UK at the moment and uh, I hope it is wherever you are too. So let's keep making life bigger together.